the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thomas Fortino and Brian Uselding are investment advisor representatives of Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. Alpha Wealth Group, Retirement Wealth Advisors, and AM560 The Answer Radio are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with the professionals specializing in the field of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their individual situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Now stay tuned for the Alpha Wealth Hour, heard every Saturday at 9 a.m., right here on AM560, The Answer. It's time for the Alpha Wealth Hour, presented by the Alpha Wealth Group, the show that brings together the trilogy of estate, tax, and retirement planning. The show that teaches you how to make all the right moves with regard to money making, tax savings, and estate protection. Are you ready to thrive through the financial chaos? Here are your hosts, Tom Fortino and Brian Usolding. Good morning, everyone. It's a wonderful weekend, and we have some wonderful things to talk about. You know, I just realized, just as uh, we're, we're queuing it up here, it's Valentine's Day in a couple days. How about that? So this is even more appropriate we're going to talk about today, because we're going to talk about your loved ones. We're going to talk about doing what's best for your loved ones. And I say this in all sincerity, what we're going to talk about today, and you've heard me say it before, probably the best thing you can do for your family. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about estate planning. I'm talking about making sure the things you've worked for all your life go to the ones that you love. And actually during your life, here's when we, when we talk about estate planning, it covers a lot of different areas. And I want you to stick with us today because we're going to cover a lot of different areas. We're going to offer a lot of great information. We have a workshop coming up, a lot to talk about. But, you know, when we talk about our loved ones and, and making sure we, we do the right things for them, um, you know, there are events that happen in our life. I sometimes say these are things that are asleep right now, that the, the things that where, where at one, in, one time, in one way, shape, or form, I should say, in one way, shape, or form, either during your lifetime or after, where we will talk a little about the estate planning documents, the trust, the powers of attorney, the uh, medical powers of attorney. Your assets will either flow through these documents or be controlled by these documents. So you really want to have these things in place. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to cover what I call the top 10 estate planning mistakes. We pulled this out of our archives. We have all types of reports, as you know, dusted it off, and I think that's a good place to start because I think there's so many misconceptions out there. You know, we hear about when uh, famous people die and things happen there, and you think, oh, that can't happen to me. You know, Prince died. He had hundreds of millions of dollars in estate taxes. Well, there's tax implications that affect all of us. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I, that was, seems like forever ago. He died, but he'd never married this person. We have people that have multiple marriages and children. From These are all issues that it can impact you, even though you may not be a movie star. There's still similar things that will impact you. So we're going to go through 
these estate planning mistakes. We're going to talk about asset titling. We're going to talk about how to set up beneficiaries properly. We're going to talk about the proper documents to have in place. And here's what's good, or here's what even makes it better. We have Frank Salerno in the in the uh, in the studio today, so uh, we're going to be frank with Frank, and we're going to talk about estate planning. This is really uh, what's great about it, because then I can turn it over to Frank and say, "Is that correct? We have we actually have legal counsel here today." So. Um, and this is something that's going to be ongoing. Frank is going to be a frequent guest uh, This, when we talk about estate planning. But wh- why don't we just dig right in and get into it? I have these top ten plan- estate planning mistakes. I'm going to skip the first one and get back to it, which is procrastination. And I think a lot of reason people procrastinate, and I think maybe this is a good place to start, is, well, my estate's not large enough. That's one of the one of the things that we hear a lot of. Or I have beneficiary designations, so I probably don't need it. Um, what, how would you respond to that, Frank, as far as, well, my estate's not large enough? Well, morning, Tom. Brian, thanks for having me today. Look forward to, to being here. I'm glad to be here, I should say. You know, that is, you hear it a lot. You know, my estate isn't large enough. You know, and I think it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, misconception in estate planning. You know, people always think that estate planning is driven by your net worth. And so there's so many other factors that go into estate planning that have absolutely nothing to do with what your net worth is. And so when people say, I don't need an estate plan because my assets are not large enough, I I think that that's a mistake. Um, And I think it's something that certainly needs to be explained as to why it's a mistake, but that we we all need an estate plan, regardless of whether we have a lot of money, uh, some money, or no money. We, We all need an estate plan. It covers various things that have nothing to do with the bottom line. Well, I mean, because, you know, I guess there's rules in the state of Illinois and every state has its own probate issues, but or probate rules. But what what determines whether or not you go to probate court or your estate goes to probate? You know, I, I think that's the, the, the second misconception in estate planning is I'm all set. I, you know, I don't have to go to court. You know, so when you talk to people about probate, you know, people rightfully think, oh, I don't want to go to probate. You know, probate's not a good thing. And they're absolutely right. It's not a good thing. It should be avoided. It can be avoided. But where the misconception comes in is is people think, yes, I've avoided it because I have a will. Or as you say, I got beneficiaries on my assets. And, and so the question of whether or not you're in probate, again, which is the court system, is how your assets, it comes down to how your assets are titled, not whether or not you have a will. And so I sit down with people all the time, you know, and then I say children, not little kids. I mean, you know, children whose parents have passed away. And they, I say to them, we have to go to probate. And they say, we don't understand. You know, when my dad passed away, my mom did not have to go to probate. Mm-hmm. Why now that mom dies, do we, the children, have to go to probate? You know, and the follow-up question that they have to that is, what's wrong with mom's will? And my response is, is there's nothing wrong with mom's will. Circumstances have totally changed. And so, again, when dad passed away and you look at that house, question is, is is there an owner on title when dad dies? And the answer is absolutely yes, that's mom. And so the house automatically goes from dad to mom because mom is on title. Now, when mom passes away, again, it's totally different. We don't have a living owner on title anymore. And so since we have no living owner on title, that house has to go into probate. And so, again, it's got nothing to do with mom's will. It has everything to do with how is that house titled. It was joint at one point in time. Now there's no joint owner on it when the survivor passes away. And so, again, it's the misconception is, is, oh, mom's going to avoid probate because she has a will. No, mom will not avoid probate because she has a house in her name individually. Yeah, and that gets really back to why you said asset titling. It went from a joint titled account. So. Uh, I get this a lot. People say, well, my spouse is on my account, so it'll go to them. Yeah, that's true, but then what happens? Now it's individually titled. And so this is one of the issues when we talk about asset titling, and you talked about it, is 
You really need to understand how are your assets titled. If your name individually is on an account, and even if you're married, you know, let's say, for instance, a husband or a wife goes out and they open a bank account or they have an account through work, they have some stocks they own through work or wherever the case may be, even if you're married, um, it doesn't automatically go to your spouse. No, you're absolutely correct. But again, it gets back to that first point of is, is well, is my asset big enough for estate planning? You know, and so again, whether that house is worth $10,000, $200,000, or $2 million, the result is exactly the same. We are in the probate system. And so again, whether or not you need estate planning is not dictated about how much is my house worth. It's you own a home, you need to protect it, you need to keep it out of the court system, you need estate planning to do that. And as we're saying, you need a little bit more than a will. Yeah, so let me do this first before we're going to get into it. I'm going to make an offer here, and then we have some more offers to make. But I'm just I'm just going to make an offer here on the estate planning information. We'll offer the guides. We'll offer the guide to asset titling. We'll offer the organizers um, the six essential diamonds. This is a, a packet of information that we'll get to you to get you started, to start learning about the process and getting these. You know, we of course, we, we're limited to what we can talk about today, but... This will answer a lot of questions for you, and then you can start the process of understanding where you stand. So if you want this estate planning packet, give us a call, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185, the estate planning packet, which gets into the guide to asset titling, the asset organizers, the essential documents, beneficiary designations, and really start to understand so your family doesn't get blindsided. Give us a call, 800-748-3185. Um, I don't know. If, did you have a question, Brian? No, I was just going to, you know, and, and, and since Frank's here, you can kind of reiterate this, but I think it's a fair statement to say, and we've said it on the air and I've said it in meetings, like everyone has an estate plan. It, the question is, is, is it your plan or is it a plan that's been put in place either by the state of Illinois or, or that's in place? So with, the, the real question is to say, it's not that I don't need an estate plan. It's is the plan that I'm it, that's going to go into effect mine or or the rules of the state or, or the rules of, of the courts, wherever I may decide. And that's the question you need to ask yourself. Do you want it to be your plan or do you want it to be the the rules that, that are already yeah. outlined there? Um, and I think that's – I think the hardest thing for people to realize is, is they don't understand that, that if, if they don't do anything, there's a plan. There's there's guidelines out there. There has to be rules out there that, that dictate how things are settled. Otherwise, if someone passes away without any plan at all, what happens? Right, the and, state has a, as the they call dying intestate. There's a whole. You can go online and see what the state right. It, they it's have the, a it, will for you. It's the same thing though. <laughs> you know, you hear people say, "Oh, you know, I've heard that if I die and I don't have a will, the state gets everything." Now, you know, that's not the case. The state will control who gets it, but the state doesn't necessarily get it. I mean, the state already has everything spelled out as to how your assets would be distributed in the event that you don't have an estate plan. But, Brian, to your point of is, is there is a plan out there for you. But, you know, what I see a lot is, is that, again, it's the people have the wrong plan in place and that their plan is exactly the plan that the state of Illinois has set out for them. And so I think that's why people need to look at their wills. They need to look at their estate plan and say, do I have the right plan? What do I mean by that? So if you have, so again, let's say you're a surviving spouse, you have adult children. And your will says, I leave all of my assets to my spouse, if living otherwise, to my children. That's what the law of the state of Illinois says. That's exactly the same plan. And so, again, the law of the state of Illinois says is, is the assets go to your spouse, go to your children. If you don't have a spouse, your, adult, your children get everything. 
And so the, the, the law says they get it when they're 18. And so if my children are adults, my will is saying the same exact thing that the laws of the state of Illinois. These assets go to my adult yeah. children. So what has my will accomplished? In all due honesty, my will hasn't really accomplished anything in that scenario because I mirrored what the laws of the yeah. state of Illinois say. I think our point is, is, is we should have something more than that. We don't want to mirror the laws of the state of Illinois because it's not a good plan. We need additional plan to cover that. Yeah, the takeaway here is wills do go through probate court. So whether you have a will or you don't, you, your family will still be subjected to probate. It's a public forum. It's a mess. It can take months, if not years. This is where you want to avoid these things. And so we're going to offer this packet one more time. Give us a call. 800-748-3185. 800-748-3185. Coming up, we're going to get into beneficiary designations, a little more on asset titling. We're going to talk about taxes as well. So you can make sure you're estate goes in full to your family. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're covering that one aspect, which sometimes I refer to as the foundation of your plan. Kind of if you're building a house, you're building your plan, you start with the foundation, and those are the documents that control your estate during your lifetime and after. Because in one way, shape, or form, as I said, your estate could be controlled and assets could be controlled by these documents and pass through them ultimately to your loved ones, your children, and your grandchildren. And if you don't have these things in place, boy, it can be a big mess. And we see this happen all the time. We see it on the news by uh, people that we are famous. But these are real-life things that can happen to us, too. Don't think that just because it happens to them, it can't happen to you. It's not always a money thing and, and some of these common mistakes. We talked already about probate court and being subjected to probate court and how your assets are titled. Wills do go to probate court. They do not avoid probate court. You need to be aware of that. Probate court is typically a long process. It's an expensive process. And in the state of Illinois, I think you said it, Frank, if you have an estate over 100000 or you own real property, real estate of any kind, regardless of value, your estate will expo- be exposed to the probate process. Yep, that's that's an accurate statement. Okay. So, and that, that probate <clears throat> process is a minimum, minimum, not a maximum, minimum of six months. Could be a lot longer, but it is absolutely not going to be less. And six I, months and a I minimum. And I think we talked about the nosy neighbor. You used the frame. I think that was uh, Kravitz. What was the one from Bewitched? It was, uh, do you know Debbie? Can't remember her name. <laughs> Gladys. I think that was it. Could be. We'll the neighbor in Bewitched. Up. She was always looking across. Of course, the husband never noticed that it was a witch. But anyway, that's the nosy neighbor. They can go in. It's all public. People need to understand it is a public forum. So when we talk about probate and you hear these stories of people going through the probate process, and when you think about, especially now where we have mixed families, we have second marriages, there are children from things, you know, there's in-laws that get involved. This can really be a nightmare. And so when I made the comment, it's one of the best things that you can do for your family, I truly mean that. The other issue here is that let's say you do have a plan in place. Sometimes we don't update the documents. We talked about that, and we're going to get into that in a minute here. But we talked about the way your assets are titled. I think the first step in this process is really taking a review and an accounting of your assets, right? Who are your benefits? How many people out there can tell me how their house is titled, how their homes are, and how their bank account is titled? You're going to, I always say if you go through this process, you're going to be surprised. Who are your beneficiaries? Have you called you know, your life insurance? Your, I mean, let's talk briefly about... Um, uh, so we talked a little bit about titling. That dictates where the assets are going to go. If it's individually titled and it's just in your name, it's going to be exposed to probate. Um, and also if you're becoming capacitated, again, unless some, you have a power of attorney, you, have probate, you can have probate during your lifetime 
to determine who can act for you. Is that, that's accurate, right? That is accurate. You know, and again, it's, the misconception is, is while I'm married, if something happens to my husband, something happens to my wife, I'm in charge because um, we're married. You know, that is absolutely not the case. I mean, having a marriage license or a marriage certificate does not give you the legal authority to transact business for your husband or for your wife. So if someone's incapacitated, automobile accident, health deteriorates, and again, there's no plan in place, that spouse cannot just step in and start taking control of the assets. So correct me if I'm wrong, what that means is if you have a joint account, whether it's a bank account or whether it's a home, let's say, and you want to refinance your home and your husband or wife can't sign because they're incapacitated, you really can't do that without going to get authority by, by the court system to say, yes, you can enact as, as this person. And in all intents and purposes, that, that asset, even though it's jointly titled and you're on it, is, is frozen because you would need two signatures, correct? Correct. So it's the same thing. You said you're in the process of selling your house. You're in the process of doing a refinance. The lender is going to say there's two people on title. I need two people to sign that mortgage. If one person's incapacitated, the other person doesn't have the legal authority to sign that mortgage, to sign that deed. We've got to go into the court system. Or to sell it. You know, the other thing is with retirement accounts, too. The other one is the retirement accounts because retirement accounts aren't joint. They have and to your be retirement, in the individual's name. It's in the individual's name. So I, I say to people all the time, what happens if you're incapacitated? What happens with your retirement account? And the response that most people have is, is why well, have a beneficiary on it? And I say, well, the beneficiary only triggers when you die. I didn't ask when you die. I asked what if you're incapacitated? The beneficiary does not do anything. And so you're absolutely right. You're in a court system to get appointed someone's legal guardian to take control of that retirement account. That takes time. And so what happens to that retirement account while I'm in the process of going to court? It sits in limbo, which means it can't take money out to pay bills. And if it's invested in a fund that's not doing really well, can't move it. And so it's sitting in limbo. And so it's not a good plan. I mean, we need to account for that. And you can see why we're so adamant about these things. Look, we're investment advisors. We're retirement specialists. But that's why if I, we're managing an IRA or an uh, account for clients, it's either in a trust or there's powers of attorney. We don't take those phone calls from a spouse saying, oh, by the way, they call us, oh, something's happened to my spouse. And we say, well, you know, there's nothing you can do. Go, go to court and figure out this out. That doesn't happen. That's why we're adamant about this. Again, Frank's the attorney. This is all is done in-house. But, you know, these are things that if you don't do this now, you know, like we, sometimes I get these calls. Someone say, hey, I'm going on a trip next week. It's, and I, don't, I mean, in a way, it's kind of funny. Because, you know, I'm not saying it's irrational, but I'm, my husband and I are flying to the Bahamas and, I, you know, we don't have a plan. Can we get it done in the next couple of weeks, you know, or whatever the story is? And I, I, I you know, I, I'm happy to do it. We're, we're happy to do it. You can, you know, we get Frank in there, we get him done, get it done because if there's a, for any reason we get it done. So here's what I'm going to do. And procrastination is one of these top estate planning mistakes. We've covered a few of them already about titling. We've talked about not thinking your estate's large enough and how you can be exposed to probate. One of them is procrastination. So here's what I'm going to do. And Frank has given me his blessings. He said it's okay. He'll do this too. So whether you have an estate plan in place or not, you know, this is an opportunity to come into one of our offices in Chicago. And here's what's going to happen. A couple things, a number of things, actually. If you don't have documents, we'll talk, because everyone's situation is unique. We'll take a look at it. If there's a second marriage, if it's a first marriage, what do you, how do you want to treat your children? Are there minor children? How should you title assets? And what documents should you, should you have in place? Are there tax issues, you know, making sure you minimize taxes and just making sure you you and your family control the estate and you make the decisions and then you will be in a position to make an informed decision of getting all these things in place. And that's something you can take off your checklist. So this is an opportunity. There is no charge for this. If you have documents, bring those in too because one of the mistakes that's on here is 
many people they never haven't looked at their documents in five years, or there's a mistake, there's something that's changed in their life, and then they're not doing what they thought they were supposed to do. So in either case, again, you give us a call in the next few minutes, we will see you in any one of our Chicagoland offices. You know, we have four offices throughout Chicagoland. This is a free consultation. Procrastination is the number one issue on the state ten estate planning mistakes. Don't do that. Take advantage of this. Get this taken care of. And give yourself peace of mind. That's what it's all about. So if you give us a call in the next five minutes, 800-748-3185-800-748 for a comprehensive estate and tax planning review. You know, Tom, you're right, you know, about the people going away, you know, and so I, I see people, you know, what motivates people to do estate planning, you know, and, and so you, you hit on the one is that, well, we're going away next week. You know, a lot of people who have younger children will go, my wife and I are going to a wedding out on the West Coast and the kids, first time we're traveling without the kids. What if something happens to us? You know, and so what motivates people? They're traveling and they're worried about it. The other thing that motivates people is, you know, when I, I thought it was invincible, but my college roommate just got sick. He was yep. diagnosed. He's the same age that I am. And I saw what happened to his family and it was a mess. And I can't let that happen to me. And so, again, it's all people are procrastinating. They're waiting for the worst thing. I would say what should motivate you is the offer that you just made. Never mind. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Someone's gotten sick. I've seen it. I've just gotten a free an offer for a free consultation. That should motivate people to kind of take a look at this stuff. I like that. Absolutely. I like, I, like you said, I think another thing I see commonly is it, they went through it themselves, whether it's with their parents, where their parents had a, a great plan in place. They went, that went very well. I need to do this for myself. Or their parents didn't have a, a plan in place and they had to go through the probate process and they were like, I need to avoid this or how do we make sure? And they learn these things and we want to, we want to event that. We want to, we want to learn. As much as we can today, not only through the show and through the reports we offer, but that's why we offer the consultation. Yeah. So we can take general information and then we can bring it, bring it back down to your level and personalize it for you. And that's extremely important because we don't want to have that beautiful home that looks great on the outside. But as Tom mentioned earlier, the foundation is rotting and, and, and you're just, it's a tick, ticking time bomb for problems that, that can be easily avoided through, through some proper planning. You can easily yeah. take a lot of these risks off the equation by having yeah. the right documents in place to say, that's good. And also, I find a lot of times, you know, life events will trigger some of these things. For example, you get married and maybe you have your first child, so you do a will. But then you yeah. never revisit it. And, and, and now you have multiple kids. And now the kids are getting older and your life has changed a little bit. And you still have the same will that, that's 15, 20 years, 20 years old. You know, people will come in. They'll sit down. Well, I have a will. How long ago did you do it? I think 15, 20 years ago. Well, okay. Yeah. Again, it's it's something that it, it should be revisited every couple of years. Bring it out. Has my life changed? Do I need to put things in place? Oh yeah, maybe I should do a living trust. That makes a lot more sense than this will yeah. I had, which was better than nothing. But now let's let's really button down the plan and tie up the loose ends. Yeah, and that's go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say you're absolutely right. It, it should be revisited. You, people say all the time, you know, you, when you look at an old will, you go, "Oh, you named this person as the guardian," and they go, "I did. I don't even remember I did that." <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's time to revisit. If you don't know who you're. Who you named as a guardian, who your executor is, or who your, your beneficiaries are, are who your powers of attorney it's, are. Yeah, it's time to revisit all that stuff. And this is, again, it's you know, you get these estate plans, you put them on a shelf, sometimes you don't look for them for many years. And even if you don't have a estate plan, again, take advantage of this offer. As Frank said, we're offering this to you. If you give us a call, a comprehensive estate tax and uh, succession planning review, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185. Coming up, we're going to get into personal directives. We're going to talk about personal property. All of these things that you want to take into account in your plan. You know, 
Yeah, this was a few years ago, but a, a whistleblower lawsuit was filed in an Illinois court claims uh, an Illinois court claims insurers MetLife and Prudential each knowingly committed fraud by failing to hand over unclaimed death benefits to the state's abandoned property. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to make a point here. The lawsuit is the latest to accuse life insurance companies of not completing due diligence. According to a Wall Street Journal report, uh, Total Asset Recovery Services, LLC, has uncovered evidence that these uh, two life insurance failed to hand over payments of 4,700 policies, which accounted for $524 million. This is uh, to the Illinois Abandoned Property Fund. And so my point here, though, is this is just one example. When we talk about estate planning, which we're talking about today, part of it also is having being organized and understanding, you know, you bought a policy 40 years ago, um, not just only having documents in place that avoid probate, living trusts. We talked about, we haven't got into the trust, but the trust is really a title that avoids probate. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But imagine if your children and your grandchildren can avoid probate entirely. They're totally in charge. They don't have to go to the court system. They don't have to hire attorneys. They don't have to deal with this and spend a bunch of money. And then they also know what your wishes are. They know where your assets are. How many of you know where all your assets are? And this is why these organizers that will provide to you as well, you're going to be shocked when you go through that. You're going to list how the assets are titled. You're going to remember, oh, yeah, you know, if you have six kids sitting around a table, children and grandchildren saying, what did mom and dad want? I don't know. What do you think? This, again, is all part of the estate planning process, and that's what we'll, we'll go through when you come in. Personal property. Who gets the wedding ring? How do you want to have these things pass? What are your wishes regarding life-sustaining treatment and uh, personal care, your your, uh, your wishes on your funeral? I mean, all of these personal wishes, and I talked about personal directives briefly in the last segment. How many of us know what those are? So we made this offer. We're going to extend the offer. If you want to come into one of our offices, not only will we, we review a plan if you have it in place, We'll go through and we'll send out the organizers ahead of time to you so you can actually fill it. It's a downloadable document. We'll mail it to you or email it to you. You'll go through the process. If you do nothing and you just get organized, you have made a huge leap in this process of knowing where everything's at. You can have a snapshot of the entire estate. And so that's really the first step. So if you want to give us a call, we'll sit down with you. You can We'll send out the organizer ahead of time so you can fill it out. You'll come in. We'll be able to take a look at your beneficiaries, your titles. What do you need to do? Bring in your documents. You have those too. Again, this is a comprehensive review, and as Frank said, there's no charge. He's he's he agreed to to review with no charge. So, give us a call for this eight hundred seven four eight three one eight five. We have offices throughout Chicagoland. Eight hundred seven four eight three seven four eight three one eight five. Don't wait when until you have no options. This is the time to do it when you're healthy and things are, are going well. Well, you're right. And so, Tom, you know, we talked about reviewing this stuff and what about stuff's changes and do I know who's who I named and who's this, who's that. And so even if you have a rock solid estate plan and you know exactly who everything is going to and who's in charge and you don't want to make no changes to it. Again, what do we see as the problem? It gets back to your point about the titling of the assets. And so, again, when I set my plan up last week, last year, five years ago. All of my assets may have been titled right on. What's the concern? I've got a new job since that plan was done. And so now my 401k is new. It's not titled right anymore. I bought that vacation home, and it's not titled right any longer. And so you really need to take a look at the assets and any new assets that you have to make sure that they're properly titled. And so having a really good plan is step one. Step two is making sure that your assets are properly titled, which includes assets that you had at the time you set up the plan, and assets that you acquire yeah. afterwards. And that's the issue I see is, is new stuff, Updating. that new job. Yeah, that that's new job, that new vacation home mistakes. falls through the cracks because it's not titled correctly. Well, getting back to this, let's just take one step back because we, we, we didn't 
I mean, we talked about asset titling, joint titling, individual titling. One of the things I say is let's simplify this whole concept of a trust. A trust is an act, a document, and why does it avoid probate? Because it can hold title. So now it's not John and Peggy Smith joint owners on a house. It's John and Peggy Smith trust. Trusts don't die. Trusts don't go to probate. So it's really a title. And getting back to what you say, a lot of times people create a trust. You need to retitle assets to the trust and effectively fill it up. Right, and so that's part of what you're saying. Not only you need to need to fund it right out of the gates and get assets retitled to it, because it's a title. It's also a document, but also make sure it stays assets stay titled to it. Right? Correct. So you know, assets that you acquire afterwards would be retitled to the name of the trust. Um, but you're right. You know, the, the thing about the trust as compared to the will is, is the trust comes into existence the day that you set it up, and it doesn't die when you die. It continues on after you pass away, you know, and it's got all these things in it. But, you know, your typical trust has, you know, three parts to it for a husband and a wife. You know, part one says, well, what happens while we're both alive? You know, part two says, well, what happens when one of us dies? And this, the last part would be what happens when we both pass away? And so, again, the point of it, though, is, is that trust comes into existence the day you set it up and it continues on after you pass away for your children, for your loved ones. All outside the court system. Again, it gets back to that initial point is, is do we have a living owner on title to these assets when we die? And the answer is yes with the trust because the trust survives you, avoids the probate. Yeah, and that's the whole concept behind why we say we're so adamant about having a trust. We are, and I know we're up against the clock, so we can, we can revisit this when we get back. But I want to talk about at least one of the most common titling mistakes that I see um, when I'm sitting down with clients or prospective clients is uh, – to avoid probate, we, we keep an asset in the name of yeah. a, a living person. So that's when we're married, it's our spouse. And then when the first spouse dies, a lot of times what I see is they put a child on that asset to say, well, my kid's going to yeah. help out. I want them to be able to have control of the assets. And I want it to go to them after I die. This will avoid yeah. probate, correct? Uh, we'll talk about why that's probably one of the bigger estate planning mistakes that you can make. Yeah. And also, the other mistake is leaving everything to your spouse. Don't get angry. There's a reason. We're going to talk about it. Okay. You listen to Tom, Brian, and Frank. You know, there's a recent article in the uh, Wall Street Journal. It said, when heirs collide, heirs, H-E-I-R-S, fights over estates can tear families apart, and it's not just about the money. Here are the guidelines for keeping the peace. This is an article. We're, that's what we're talking about today. $30 trillion, that's the amount of wealth to be passed down over the next three decades. $30 trillion. So, And again, it's not always just about the money. We talked about personal directives. So, And we made some offers. We're covering what we call the top 10 estate planning mistakes. What we've covered so far is... You know, um, thinking your estate is not large enough, not updating your documents. How do you title assets and making sure they're titled properly? Because that's going to dictate how they go to people. And uh, we want to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about beneficiary designations because keep in mind, whoever your beneficiaries, I met with someone not too long ago and their ex-spouse was the beneficiary. And uh, when they looked into it, they realized that needed to be changed. Um so these are things that sometimes we're totally unaware of. That's why I said I will send out the asset organizer right out of the gates. We send that out to you. It's downloadable. We can email it to you. You can use it. You can update it. It's got sections on you know everything from business interests to your bank accounts to your life insurance to your brokerage accounts to your retirement accounts, and it auto-calculates everything. You'll see what the values of your estate are. You'll see how your assets are titled, how your beneficiaries are set up. If you do nothing, 
that's one of the best things you can do. And that's about getting organized. That's a great thing. So, And then what you can do is you can schedule a time to come in and see us. We offered a free consultation. This is a complete review from soup to nuts. Looking, if you have documents, bring those in. If you don't have documents, we'll talk to you about getting the right one set up, knowing that how a trust works versus the powers of attorney for financial decisions and medical powers of attorney and having pour over wills and also getting things organized and uh, personal wishes on where you want rings to go to and what are, you, what are your wishes in the event um, of life-sustaining treatment and so on. This is what is, again, one of the best things you can do for your family. Don't procrastinate. Don't, do, don't make it so it's an urgency. So if you give us a call, the next few minutes, we will schedule a time for you in one of our offices. We'll get this done. Take it off your checklist. 800-748-3185. 800-748-3185. I think we were talking about asset titling before the break. Yeah, putting you know, children on assets. Yeah, Brian, back to your point about, you know, I've got my son, I've got my daughter on the real estate. I've got my son or my daughter on my bank accounts, my investment accounts. You know, and I, I hear it all the time as, as well. You know, and, and, you know, does it avoid probate? Uh, yes, it, it avoids probate. You know, my response on that is, is I would rather go through probate than put my son or my daughter on my assets. You're going to go, why? We just talked about how bad probate was. You know, and, and again, putting your child on your house or on your bank accounts or on your investment accounts is easy. It avoids probate. But what's the problem? And you get back to Tom's point about when errors collide. You know, so say you put your son on your bank account and you pass away. Your son could walk into the bank and completely take all of the money for himself. You're going to go, well, what about the other kids? Yeah, well, I guess the question is, is, is you put him on title. Why did you put him on title? To give him the assets when you died or for convenience? And so, again, if there's issues with the children, that person could walk into the bank, take all of the money out after you die to the exclusion of your other children. So that's potentially a problem. For me, though, the bigger problem is you put your son, you put your daughter on your house, you put them on your bank account, your investment accounts, and then they get, let's say, in an automobile accident and they get sued. You know, what happens when they get sued? Their creditors are now going after their assets. Well, what's one of their assets? It's now an ownership interest in your bank account, your investment account, in your house because you put them on title. And you're going to go, no, no, I, I only put them on for convenience. I only put them on so that when I die, they could get it. That's not legally they have an interest in it, which means it is at risk from their creditors. It's at risk if they're, they get divorced and they're soon to be ex-son, that you're soon to be ex-son-in-law or daughter-in-law says, I'm going after that house. I'm going after that account. And so, again, is it simple? Yes, it's very simple, but it creates problems. You expose your assets to your children's creditors. And so when I say that to most people, they're going to go, yeah, I never really thought of that. You know, and so that's why, you know, you need to look at these things and you need to make informed decisions. And, you know, the easiest decision or what's the easiest is not always what's best. And so it's a bad idea. What about this? What if, you know, the son is actually not a bad person and, and he says, okay, I, I know I was put on this account, but it was really for me and, and my two sisters. How does he go about getting those assets to his two sisters? Yeah, I mean, I guess he technically takes ownership of it because he, yeah. he walks into the bank and says, I, I want to transfer this into, you know, my name and my sibling's name. You know, mm -hmm. then someone says, oh, are you making a gift to them? You know, how is it going from you to them? And so, you know, it just it opens up more questions. Um, now than, you may than, have some gift yeah. tax issues. You may yeah, have it's... to start going into your exemptions. And then the last thing that I want to get into, and just because I, 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 I mean, I, I know you personally, Frank, and I know you're a CPA as well, is the tax implications of putting yeah. a child on, on an asset, on an appreciating asset, whether it's a home or, or whether it's a, an investment account, something that has a chance to appreciate, you're starting to lose uh, step-up provisions uh, in terms of when you inherit an asset be, uh, and, and then when you're gifted an asset. Isn't that correct? Yeah. You know, so when you have assets that have appreciated in value, I mean, you don't want to transfer those assets 
when you're alive by, by way of a gift because you get to carry over basis. And so any built-in gain in that asset transfers to your yeah. children when you give it to them. Alternatively, if they inherit it when you pass away, they get a step up in basis. But, you know, going along those lines, again, I put my son, I put my daughter on my house. And again, when you sell your house, the government says as long as it's your residence, you don't, for the most part, you don't have to pay capital gain on it. And so what's the problem? When I put my son and my daughter on title, and now we all sell the house, so we decide to sell it before I die, we all sell it. The IRS says that you've got three sellers on this property. It's not two people's primary residence. They get their own homes. And so now we have to pay gain when we sell our house that would otherwise be avoided. So again, putting yeah. people on their on your assets subjects them to additional taxes that we could avoid yeah. and puts them at risk from their creditors. Just a bad idea across the board. There's a better way. We'll tell you what it is. We've already alluded to it, but there's a better way. Yeah, yeah. There's all of these things. Look, there's a lot of, as we like to say, a lot of ins and outs, a lot of what have you. I mean, whether it's your beneficiary designations, how your assets are titled, how you set up your documents. There's a lot to this, as well as your personal wishes. Look, if you're if this is you're serious about this, if you want to take advantage, we made this offer. We're going to continue this offer throughout the show. You want to come in and do a comprehensive estate and tax review, give us a call. Give us a call in the next few minutes. We'll get it set up. We'll get this taken off your checklist. 800-748-3185. 800-748-3185. Coming up, we want to talk briefly about beneficiary designation. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today. There's so much There's so much to cover. In fact, you just can't cover it in an hour. Because when we talk about your estate planning, it has to come down to these things such as what how, what type of documents you should have in place. How should your assets be titled? Who are your beneficiaries? What are your personal wishes? And, you know, then there's the tax issues. How do you make sure you minimize any taxes? Or hopefully, in some cases, you can eliminate taxes to your beneficiaries. These are things that we, this is this is very comprehensive estate planning. That's why we made the offer. I'll make it one more time. Um, looking at all these moving parts to your estate plan, unfortunately, um, you know, we've sat down with people. or just re- updating your documents. Sometimes you haven't looked at them in five, ten years. Um, things change. Life changes. So um, if, if you have them in place, if you don't have them in place, this is a, t- a time to take advantage of that. That's why we're making this offer. We don't do this very often. I can't remember the last time we did it, actually. But Frank is here. He's agreed to it. Uh, this is all done in-house. He is the attorney. He's the estate planning attorney that does this. You, you've listened to what we've talked about here. So if you want to schedule some time to come in, take a look. And if you've done it, we'll do the review of your current plan. And you'll walk out of there knowing how to structure beneficiaries that make sense for you. How do you t- title assets? How do you make sure that you minimize taxes to your beneficiaries? All of this is included and we'll send out prior to the meeting, the organizer, so you can actually sit down and do an accounting of your estate and your assets. That alone would be one of the best things you ever do because there are going to be things you uncover that you were totally unaware of. So give us a call. Again, if you're serious about this, I've said it and I say it in all sincerity, the best thing you can do for your family, give us a call, 800-748-3185, The last thing I guess we'll touch upon, again, I feel it's frustrating because we can't talk about everything, Beneficiary designations are very powerful because whoever your beneficiary, and this is something we'll talk about, it goes directly to that person. You may have ex-spouses on there. You may have minor children. You need to understand it's just a phone call, and you can make your trust the beneficiary too. So there's a lot of different ways to set up beneficiary designations. I mean, 
It's something that's pretty serious. Well, you're right. So it's my ex-wife, you know, and it's my ex-husband. You know, I see a lot where, you know, people take out life insurance policies, let's say, before they get married. Who's the beneficiary? Mom and dad. And then they get married and they have kids and they never change the beneficiaries. And now the life insurance is going to your parents rather than to your spouse or to your children. But I think that with the beneficiaries, there's really two questions, you know, and a lot of times people will tell you who their primary beneficiary is. But the follow-up question to that is, is who is your contingent beneficiary? Not only do you need a primary beneficiary, you need a secondary beneficiary. Again, unless you're using a trust. But again, the concern if you're not using a trust is, is your primary beneficiary dies because people die. Trusts don't. And so if your primary beneficiary dies, who steps in as your contingent beneficiary? And so a lot of times people don't know who their contingent beneficiary is or don't have right. a contingent beneficiary. And so we need to be looking at the primary and the contingent. But to your point, you say, again, you get back about the kids. Well, that's easy. I'll just put my kids on as my contingent or my primary beneficiaries. And so, again, does that work? And for some people, the answer is yes, but not for everyone. Why? Because what happens if the children are minors? You're not going to put minor children on as beneficiaries on life insurance and retirement accounts because we don't want them to get the money at a young age. You know, what if you got a child who's disabled? You know, again, do we want a disabled child on these assets? The answer is no, because we don't want them to lose any benefits that they might get. What if we get a child, you know, who's got some bad spending habits? You right. know, we don't want them to get the money because they're going to spend it. But trust alleviates all of that because we could put the trust on as the beneficiary. We could put these assets into the trust and we could protect them for minors, disabled, children who are spendthrifts. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of moving parts here, a lot of things to be considered. And it's your personal plan. You should take some time to set it up personally for you. It's why we offered the consultation. It's why we offered the estate planning package. Better yet, we have a great event coming up on the 25th of February. It's a Saturday morning. We're going to be talking about retiring with confidence. We'll talk about estate planning. We'll talk about retirement. Yep. We'll bring it all together and, and try to personalize it for you. You can call in to reserve spots for that. You can go to our website and sign up for that workshop as well. 800-748-3185. 800-748-3185. Everyone have a blessed week. Let's get to work. The Alpha Wealth Hour, presented by the Alpha Wealth Group, will return next Saturday at 9 a.m. For information or the questions about any of the content of the show, or to speak with Tom or Brian, call 800-748-3185. That's 800-748-3185. And be sure to tune in next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.